like Auntie Annie's and Cinnabon are like my my two no goes at the airport where I feel like <laughs> I can't I just can't get myself to go to those two places. Uh, do you go them? Do you go to them when you went to a mall like ten years ago when malls were real places? Uh, so when would you ever go to Auntie Anne's or I don't remember Cinnabon. the last yeah I don't remember the last time I don't really like cinnamon rolls to be honest. So that aside, has anybody ever asked you if you were a communist? <laughs> so I don't like cinnamon rolls. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, you might be, Joe. <laughs> um, Charleston Airport had some great food options, man. I was blown away. I uh, my 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 vision has gotten worse as I've gotten older. I used to have like twenty ten vision. It was unbelievable, right? Nowadays, I don't know what happened. Like a year and a half ago, all of a sudden, a certain time of the day, my, I guess my eyes get fatigued and then my astigmatism uh, kicks in. I can't see shit. But I saw, I sniped a Burger King as soon as I got through security <laughs> from like a thousand miles away. So I was proud of that one. Then I rolled over the corner. They got a Cinnabon and Auntie Anne's. I'm like, what's going on? It's such a small town. Oh, and you know what else they had in the Charleston airport that blew my mind? I'd seen it over the years so many times on TikTok or Instagram Reels, wherever. The walk into a store and walk out. You don't have to pay for anything. Like you don't have to go to a checkout. You yeah. know what their concept like Amazon acquired Whole Foods and they opened up a couple of those stores. I've never seen it in person. All I had to do is scan my right palm, connect it to my Amazon account, walk in, take whatever you want. I thought I was robbing the place and yeah. walk out. It feels like you're robbing the place. I used it one of those like once before at LAX as well. They have them at LAX? Uh, in the new terminal. Wow. Yeah. What but, airlines find the new terminal? Uh, Delta. Man, I've been to Delta. I, I mean, but there's, I'm, I'm a I'm like diamond medallion. How have I not seen this? There's like a, there's another part of the terminal that I didn't even know existed. Like gates like 30 to like 37 are tucked mm. away in this little nook. But uh yeah, you feel like you're just robbing. Auntie Anne's, no matter the time or place, I, if I see an Auntie Anne's, I have to go. I mean, it was delicious. I, I regret having not gone there every time I see one, but I had about 30 of those pretzel nuggets and cheese. So all that bread and butter and cheese is just yeah. going to war. Osmosis Jones ain't even going to fix that one <laughs> no. down there. Huh? Oh, no. Maybe we need to send in the magic school bus, too. <laughs> yeah, we call that a gut bomb. So Gut bomb? <laughs> yeah. Between that, a couple Cokes on the plane. I got back. I I had a little Taco Bell run. I can't remember the name of the box I got, but I was feeling Jesus crazy. Jesus Christ. I got the grilled cheese burrito. <laughs> I, was, I was like, fuck it. <laughs> you know what? I'm doubling down. <laughs> yeah. So I had that, a chalupa, and like Gord half a, a Gordita Crunch. I usually get Gordita Crunch with the nacho cheese shell. But. It used to be in my chat, we had a thing called the Gordita Suck. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know what it was for, but anytime something good would happen, you want that Gordita suck? And then you followed up with it. I don't know. I don't know. What's like, what? Any, wait, you said anytime something good would happen? Yeah, I don't know why. So I still don't know what it came to be. If you go to my chat right now, there's still like a, door, a Gordita crunch emoji. What, uh, can we talk about like what your Taco Bell order is? I don't go to Taco Bell. Mm. Yeah, so I went to Taco Bell as a kid. My mom would hit that drive through all the time, but uh, I didn't really like a lot of foods when I was younger. I had a fear of food, so I would always just get a, a soft-shell taco with just cheese and lettuce on it. And then yeah. from there on out, when I started to eat big boy foods, I just never went to... I haven't been to Taco Bell besides for like, uh, uh, what are they called? The, the Mountain Dew 
Baja Blast, Baja Blast and yeah. the and the cinnamon twist. Mm-hmm. But that's few and far between. So Taco Bell is not for me. I'm yeah. not a Taco Bell guy. Once you leveled up to chicken tenders and, <laughs> and hamburgers. <laughs> Dino chicken nuggets. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, we kind of just jumped in this episode. If you have to take a shit at any point during this show, we'll allow it. <laughs> okay. We'll allow it. Thank you. Joe Rogan, I think, for a long time had that tradition that nobody has ever you know, left to take a bathroom break during his show. Uh-huh. And I think they took a lot of pride in that. I don't know if that's still a running gig, but... I feel like I'll, I feel like I'll be all right. Bit. Now that we're into it, I'm, I'm, I feel much more settled mm-hmm. now that we've began. The human brain, the brain's a powerful thing. No, more times than not, unless you have like IBS or something, mm-hmm. if, if you are in the middle of an important event, something thing, thing, yeah, thing. Hey, guys, we're going to be honest with you. Episode six might not be our best because <laughs> Joe and I are hot off the plane. Yeah. Yesterday, from a, I was there for four days. Joe was there for about two and a half. Yeah. I guess I was really there for five. So we're a little worse for the wear, but we wanted to make a commitment to ourselves, the podcast, and this production crew. I'm sure they were hoping, like, <laughs> come on, man, you're going to cancel that one because we start this up at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays. But we're here. We did it. We're live. We celebrated a beautiful wedding. One of my best friends, Richard Shibby Webb, has now brought another Webb into the family, Ellen Webb. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because Rich sometimes will wear one of those hats that you see in some in some uh, golf clubhouse. It says raw. And I don't think they started in golf, but anytime I would see somebody wearing a hat that says raw, I'm like, that guy's a douchebag. <laughs> but, but, but then Rich is just like a kid uh, in his first day of second grade, basically with a spinner on top of it because it's his actual initials. He's so excited. But the funny thing is Ellen, uh, her initials uh, for her name will now be ew. <laughs> Not even kidding. So we got raw and ew. I changed her uh, actually. Her contact in your phone? Yeah, before they got married. Oh my God! So I didn't. I almost you said put, you might have put some juju on them. Uh, yeah, I didn't say anything. So, well, I would love to reference. I, we don't need to talk about it much because we already did quite a bit with the uh, last episode. But I would like to pat myself on the back for everybody in this room and anybody that's listening to the podcast. I I pretty much did call that the winner. Best picture at the Oscars. I thought about that everywhere, all everything, everywhere, all at once. That was the one that I put the money on and they took it home. I mean, it was a clean sweep. The yeah, supporting seven. actors, everything, the best editing. It really makes a lot of sense now that it, it's come to fruition, but yeah. what a fantastic film. Yeah. Viewership was up uh, 12% as well. Uh, so On our episode or the Oscars? The Oscars. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, talk, we got to talk about our title on the last one. I feel like collectively as a team, we whiffed on that. We can go back and try to get that one where it needs to be. But what'd you think of the thumbnail, though? Thought the thumbnail was good. I mean, anytime you have Mr. Beast and Feastables in the background of the thumbnail, anytime you have a reason to do that, nor more times than not, you take that swing. Yeah. But I'm a really big uh, believer in no questions in a in a title, mm-hmm. and if there is a question, it better be something that's pretty polarizing or very relevant it just how does nature feel about messing up feastables displays you know we should have went something a little deeper like nature makes fun of mr beast for turning down a billion dollars or nature reacts to mr beast's multi-billion dollar investment something something along those lines Mm -hmm. it's obviously not perfect so you know i'm not saying that 
I got all the right answers. I just don't think our title. And I think the viewership actually is a one-to-one. <laughs> it proves the point, Joe. It proves the fucking point. Okay, all right. I'm waking up. I'm going to finish yeah. my first juvie. My brain is going to start making connections. Yeah, let's let me, just let have just a poli- juvie me, pit stop. Yeah, let me just polish it. Lando, box, 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 Lando. Box, Lando for your juvie. Jesus Christ, you are gulping, my boy. There's only one way out of this hole. <laughs> Man, can I tell? Do you think? Yeah, I'm going to tell that story. So the first night that we're in Charleston, it's obviously a lot of the the, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids, like the bridal party, oh, celebrating. And so uh, Rich and Ellen, myself and Haley... We've definitely gone out together in LA, but we don't we don't really go to clubs anymore. I feel like after COVID, clubs sort of died in American drinking culture. I think people are starting to head back in there to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But in general, my nightlife adventures have been few and far between. Like Haley and I, not in, for some, I don't know, for the last few months, we'll be looking at each other on the couch at like 9 p.m. and just talk how happy we are to not be going out or have feel any like social pressure like oh well it's the weekend we should really go out with our friends and stuff (laughs) i just love being at home and so for this entire group you know rich is 37 38 and is he really yeah rich rich looks younger than he is but rich rich is uh he's getting up there yeah i think we all are i mean maybe not you and actually a lot of employees at 100 d's but i'm i'm in my 30s now and so there was never really any desire to go to a club, but we're out in Charleston. Everybody's drinking. We got so many people. We got to bring them somewhere and, and party. So we end up at a club. And unbeknownst to me, I, I started taking a bunch of photos with a lot of different people. And I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm having the time of my life. But nowadays, I know my limits pretty well. It used to be, especially since I didn't go to college in my mid-20s or my early 20s, when my got to my mid 20s started partying in LA. You know, you don't really know that you're going to be blacked out until you wake up the next morning. Mm-hmm. So I never knew what that threshold was for like, hey, this is how I feel. I probably shouldn't take this shot that somebody's handing to me or, or trying to force down my throat. So I'm much much better about that now. So once I feel like I hit that limit, it's time to go. But in the in, meanwhile, outside of this club and outside of Charleston, there's uh, one of the biggest financial like crises happening in real time with Silicon Valley Bank, which mm-hmm. we could talk a little bit about. We didn't say anything publicly, but 100 Thieves since the beginning uh, has been using SVB as our, as our institution to keep all of our deposits, all of our money. Mm-hmm. And so at the same time, one of our board members who was the co-founder of MLG he uh, is, he's known Rich forever, so he's there as well. And while we're drinking and stuff, I start just asking him questions. He's like, "Yeah, man, it's gonna be a pretty rough couple of days. Like, just know this wasn't your fault. You know, there's no way for you have known what's happening." So meanwhile, the alcohol is hitting. <laughs> I'm just starting to sweat, and I, I don't know. I'm having like a Jimmy Neutron brain blast, but in the worst ways. I'm thinking of all the things like how. How could we be in this position? How many drinks deep were you at this point? Uh, we had been drinking all day, had been at the golf course. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, out of my mind, but I was definitely feeling good and drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after Glad I it. have this conversation with Mike and it's just 
chaos in this club. I'm like, dude, I got to get out of here, man. I'm sweating. So I go down to the first floor where there's nobody at, go to the bar, grab water, sit down. I text Haley. I tell her, hey, honey, I'm not really feeling too well. You think you can come downstairs? Meanwhile, she's being the best bridesmaid uh, or matron of honor that she can be. And uh, so she's not on her phone. So I wait about 10 more minutes and I text her because I just cannot walk through this crowd again. And, and you know, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. House music's blasting. I hate house music. I'm like, why are we even here? So luckily the hotel is only a block and a half away. So I sent her another text after those 10 minutes. I'm like, honey, I'm going to head back to the hotel. Whenever you need me to, I'll come get you. Just let me know. As soon as I get back to the hotel, get my key card printed. She's like, can you come get me? Okay. So as I walk out of the hotel and take maybe 10 steps off the, the hotel property, a old F-150 with two dudes who must have been in their mid-20s are blocking the sidewalk, just yelling at me. And I have my hearings at like 70%. I cannot hear well. And that's the other reason I hate going to a club. I, I cannot hear it. Somebody could be just yelling into my ear. I'm like, it's just noise. I need yeah. I need subtitles. I need to be looking at your mouth, try to read what you're saying. And uh, so these guys are yelling at me, and I got a big goofy smile on my face. You know, anytime I see a stranger, hey, how's it going? I thought because for whatever reason in Charleston, I was just taking so many photos of people. I thought they might have been fans, so I'm just kind of like nodding my head, like, no, I can't hear you that well. Yeah, they keep talking, and now they're starting to get a little bit more animated. And I'm like, wait, is is this? Am I okay right now? Is this a good situation for me, or should I be a little bit more uh, observant of what's around me, what's going on? Street smarts. Yeah. And yeah, finally, you're, you're Mr. Street Smart, right? Well, I, I feel like I am, man. So because I'm I'm a pretty cautious person. Finally, these guys uh, are just had enough of this back and forth. Both of them raised the middle finger at me and then called me the F word. Oh my not, God. Not fuck, the yeah. other one. Yeah. And then just peel off. And I, I bro, I was dumbfounded. I, I was looking around. I'm like, did that just happen? <laughs> You're like, what is going on right now? Thank God these guys didn't <laughs> jump me because they would have hit a lick. Dude, I had my watch on, this golden uh, bracelet that Jack got me for my birthday. I mean, I was looking very LA with like brown or like beige cream cargo pants with like a, a button up. So I probably stuck out like a sore thumb in Charleston. So they definitely laid into me. All good. I got Haley headed back the rest of the weekend was smooth sailing, but I thought that was a pretty funny story. Uh, I just couldn't believe these guys let that one rip. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> I was hurt. I was hurt. Yeah. I'm like, yo, we probably, come on, man. I'm like, fuck, man. I'm 30. I'm My just team going just to get, lost. I'm just going to get. Yeah. I'm having, oh, a, I'm having God, a panic attack. Bro, I didn't even, hold on. Yeah. No, I didn't even. You dropped this on me? Like, geez. I don't want to tell a bunch, of bun a bunch of drunk stories, but I've completely forgot when we walked into that club while we were waiting to get up to the second store to handing out all the wristbands for the, for the bridal party, this kid comes up to me. He's like, yo, Nate, huge fan, brother. Can I get a photo? I'm like, yeah, brother, come on, let's go. Absolutely. So as I'm like, put my arm around him, he's got his arm around me. We're waiting for his friend who's fumbling the bag with the phone, just taking forever. He's like, oh, man, that was a tough loss today. And I'm like, yeah, FaZe really had our number. That, that was hard to watch. He's like, no, versus Clayster. And I, I, I take my, my arm off his shoulder. I'm like, what do you mean versus Clayster? Vegas Legion? He's like, yeah, you guys lost to them today, <laughs> brother. All color left my face. Like, I, I, I could not believe it because I, I just hadn't been on my phone. Yeah, I mean, I was living in the watch, moment. You're usually watching every game for every yeah. team. And I didn't know what the time they were playing because I, I since like seven a.m. I've been at the golf course, just hanging out with the family and the friends. So I was not on my phone one bit this weekend. Yeah, and so that was a tough one to hear, especially to find out from a fan that we lost to Clay. Yeah. 
So I went into the bathroom and looked up the video and I just see Clay hyping up temp on stage and I was yeah. just like, fuck, man. That's this is a tough one, <laughs> yeah. dude. My, my 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 debit card for our bank don't work no more. We we're getting kicked <laughs> our ass is kicked by Vegas Legion. People are calling me names. I'm I'm down bad. <laughs> yeah. Well great, that was uh, a rough one. <laughs> great press for uh the South Carolina Board of Travel. I'm sure they're gonna love this one. <laughs> no, and, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let <laughs> me speak my last. Well, piece. I, I mean, I have some thoughts on Charleston as well. Well, I don't know if I want to hear your thoughts. No, I mean, I, just, hand to God, not even trying to save face. Besides those moments, I had a great time in Charleston, and 99% of the people that I met were very sweet, very kind. Definitely reminded you of those things that you hear about growing. I grew up in the Midwest, but Haley's from Texas. Yeah. Uh, it, nine times out of 10 in the South, people are pretty kind. People are, people are a little bit more easygoing. Like even the woman, uh, when we went to the airport, our Ramoa suitcase, the, 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 the fastening buckle broke. And this just, just happened a couple weeks back and we just got it replaced. But it broke on the way to the airport. So we couldn't get one side of it closed. And this 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 bag is overweight by uh you know ten pounds, mm-hmm. and I'm sweating. Haley's like, oh, they'll have tape, they'll have tape. I'm like, dude, the last time we did this in L.A., these two people at the 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 check-in basically felt like I insulted their entire family. They they were disgusted that I would ask them for tape. This woman was just a Southern belle. Mm-hmm. I mean, she pulls out two things. She's like, honey, let me do this for you. You look like you had a rough night. I'm like, we did. We're here for a <laughs> wedding. Brother, she gets this thing taped up. She tells the story of how 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 poorly they take care of these bags when they're throwing them around. Mm-hmm. But great interactions. Charleston was a nice small town. And I actually enjoyed my time there a lot. I really yeah. did. And I'm not even saying that safe. I got nobody I'm trying to impress from Charleston. It was yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. It was a great weekend overall, though. It was a lot of fun. But Going back to the SVB stuff real quick, too. SUV? SVB. Okay, I want to make sure that you said that right. It didn't sound right when you said it. Okay. Fault. Yeah, 10. I'm, I'm slurring. I'm slurring. But um, what was I going to say? I was about to just go on to talk about how I mumble, and it's ironic that I'm now on a podcast with you for despite my storytelling and talking out of the side of my mouth. <laughs> Anyways, all right, just we'll – We'll cut that. <laughs> we'll cut, we'll We're cut. not cut. Come on. <laughs> Come on, brothers. Lock uh, in. Lock in. Come on. Lock no, in. So it was funny. All the stuff was going down and I was flying Friday and we have a couple of, we have corporate cards, you know, for lunches for you and, and things like that. I have one just in case. Don't really need to use it often, but um, we ran into cryo at the airport. Cryo cells who's on our Valorant team. Yep. And I was with Jack Courage as well. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go grab some waters. I'll be right back. I'm like, you know what? Let me let me just see if this thing still works. And sure enough, I give them my corporate card. They're like, oh yeah, it's it's telling me it's declined, sir. I'm like, I thought that I thought that might happen. So well, I'm glad you found out that confirm to confirm. Okay, so all the news was pretty accurate. They were in fact insolvent. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily insolvent. Do you have a write up on it at all? No, I do. You have a a, a, an eloquent way of describing SVB. I can give them a long story short. Yeah, if you want to. Long pick story a stat. short, there's a bank called Silicon Valley, and primarily in the world of venture capitalists, like when you raise money and you're starting a company, more times than not, in, in, in some in some instances, you're forced to use SVB. Yeah. But when we first started the company, uh, one of the first hires that we made was uh, our CFO. He wasn't the CFO at the time, but he was you know had a finances really great at his job, really really good at his job, but. 
you know, we have a corporate console um, for all contractual work and just setting up the intricacies of, uh, you know, corporate whatever for yeah. the company. And we decided to use SVB. I don't even know the order of operations yeah. on on how that went down, but we've been with SVB for a long time. We mm. haven't had any hiccups. And so news breaks and I get a text message from my partner, John, and the way that he described it, and I think it was just because he was trying to protect my time at this wedding. We've been looking forward to this for a, a long time now. We've obviously been getting a lot of bad news. We've talked about this in the podcast. We've had to hit some bumps in the road over the last year and a half. So the way that it sounded to me was that this was just another blip on the radar. We'll get through it. It's not going to be a big deal. He's like, go enjoy the wedding. So uh, next day, and I know that might sound really irresponsible from the CEO's perspective, but... I'm not an expert when it comes to macroeconomics. If I have my business partner tell me everything's fine, don't worry. I'm all right. I'm not going to worry my little, my pretty little head of mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, so as I'm kind of sobering up the next day, I start reading the text messages and the emails between our board and John and Jason, who just went on a paternity leave, had to come back. Uh, he's basically or they're all collectively basically saying, guys, we're in limbo. We have no idea what's going to happen. Hopefully the, the government and FDIC, they bail everything out and we can actually make payroll and, and everything will be fine. But we were in limbo there for a good 72 hours. So that second night after we came back from the club, that's when things started to really hit me that not only am I going through this as well with the rest of 100 Thieves, but there are hundreds of startups across the country that are yeah. dealing with these same problems. And as I got onto social media, you know, anything that's related to the government or just the financial markets in general, there's going to be very hot and cold takes on the situation. You know, there are some people saying that the government absolutely needs to bail out this bank. And there are some people saying like all these rich fucks who have raised tens of millions of dollars, they need to they need to deal with the repercussions of their actions. Like you should have diversified your financial uh, footprint for your company and don't help them. These guys have had a silver spoon up their ass their entire lives. They don't need the government to come in and fix everything again. Like let them, let them perish. And I'm like, holy shit. But I pretty much had my first panic attack that I've had in probably 10 years. Okay. It was a pretty serious situation because it's probably like 4 or 5 a.m. and obviously not the best time to be digging in and realizing what's actually happening. But Haley's in a dead sleep. She got good and drunk. But I needed to wake her up because my brain was just spiraling. I don't know if anybody here has ever had a panic attack or anybody listening. But as you start to get pretty riled up with your thoughts, you, you keep entering like feedback loops in your mind that you yeah. just can't make sense of. Really and ruminate. It, it, yeah, it's almost as if like the, you, you have a... Your, your, your brain is like a, a light dimmer mm -hmm. and at normal, I don't know, brain function, you're at like 10, 20%. And I think like the most that I'll ever think or worry or panic, I'll get to like a 50. Imagine this slider got bumped all the way to a hundred. Yeah. Every decision that I've ever made at hundred thieves or every level of accountability that I felt like I should have for being in this situation, even though I'm sitting there like telling myself like there's no way for you of to no I mean we have a CFO we have a board who are all so connected to the financial markets like just the smartest people I've ever met there was no way for you to ever feel like you were asleep at the wheel but I just felt uh, angry and upset with myself even from the first day when John told me not to worry about it because 
it, at that time, it just seemed like it wasn't a big deal the way he was texting, but it was. It was. And there was nothing else I could have done to help or rectify the situation. We were just in purgatory at that at that time. But yeah. it really hit me hard. I just felt like, man, we finally made it through the second round of layoffs. We got people back to the office. And the energy in, in, in the compound has been fantastic. And we've been getting really good news on the partnership side. And everything felt like we were building some real momentum. And then all of a sudden... Our bank, who's been around for 40 years, it's just like, yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And you guys all might be fucked. Mm-hmm. I just felt so useless and so ignorant to the situation, man. So it was a crazy 72 hours leading up to Sunday, right before we got on to the wedding. Literally right before we went out and did our procession, we got the news that everything was going to be good, the FDIC was going to make everybody whole and everything was going to be fine. But mm-hmm. it was a pretty rocky, rocky situation, not only for me and I'm sure a lot of the employees, if they were paying attention. So yeah, I'm just glad that it all got itself figured out. Yeah. For additional context too, SVB is really like the financial backbone of a lot of the tech industry. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned with you guys signing up and even before me coming out here, I didn't, I'd never heard of it, but Regardless, um, a lot of tech is tied to SVB and a lot of their money is housed there. And um, this collapse was the second largest bank failure in U.S. history and they had $209 billion in assets before they went under. So, I mean, if you want to talk about what, and listen, we're not a, a, a finance podcast, right? And neither Joe or I are the two people you should be looking for. Uh, for real information on this, I'm just kind of talking about it at a high level. But we were talking about it the other day in the podcast where I'm like, all right, we start a company, we go through a global pandemic for the first time. <laughs> I mean, anybody's dealt with a situation like that. And then we go through a recession and then we feel like we're finally, the dust is settled and then this hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I, I don't want to sound like it was woe as me, but even with trying to figure out what was going to happen between what the board was telling us, what our investors were emailing us, just reading about it on Twitter. I have such a hard time with some of the takes that people will have about startups and the money they raise. And, you know, there's already so much privilege there. They're like, Hey, let them sweat, like, fuck them. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, dude, there are some people that came from lower middle class that got lucky and have figured it out for themselves, whether it was by their own, decision making or just strokes of luck i think i'm kind of in a combination of the two like i don't know just you don't you don't ever think getting into business that uh the house of your money is gonna yeah. go up in flames and and just be in that position <laughs> some people think we're the bad guys too and i'm like man i'm just trying to fucking get uh, first generation here i'm just trying to <laughs> Do my family right do my family proud of the people in my life so whatever yeah. we're good we're good yeah. everything's good so we don't need to talk about SVB, but yeah, that was a, a, a really choppy couple days there, especially while trying to keep on a face for Rich and keep drinking and really enjoy the moment that we've been looking forward to so deeply for so long. It was just not, it was a perfect storm of good and bad. Seems like every time you travel, something happens. Well, they say bad things come in threes. So I'm trying to think, I think, I think... <laughs> We've gotten more than three in the last few months, so hopefully <laughs> yeah. I'm tapped out. Like, hey, you know, maybe maybe we put a pool together of all the employees go buy a lottery ticket. Maybe we'll win. <laughs> yeah, 
That'd be that'd be cool, right? <laughs> That's how we bail bail the company out. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, you want to use our money to buy the company? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you like that one, Nathan? <laughs> That's a bad joke. It's a bad joke. What else has happened? What's going on, man? Uh, I figured this podcast was going to be a lot of shooting the shit on many different things. Yeah. We got to, oh, oh, yo, so I haven't seen the post-game interview, but I do want to talk about Toronto Ultra and Scrappy here for a second. Now, again, I have not watched the post-game interview. This is just what I've seen on Twitter, but apparently after the Toronto Ultra beat Optic, he was very respectful in his comments post-win. Like overly respectful? I think... Just in general, from what we've seen Scrappy say and do in interviews, I don't think many people were expecting him to take the the high road and be like a, a respectful gentleman in front of the green wall, in front of the crowd, and just to the hundreds of thousands of people watching at home. Do you think so? Was he bending the knee to the green wall? I think he did. I think he oh, did. You and hate listen, to see it. And listen, this is why. Look. If I were in his shoes, I would have done the same fucking thing. So I'm not over here calling the kettle black. I would have done the same thing, but I always tried to play on the good side of everything back when I was competing. You know, I, I, it's just not fun when people hate you. So you try to do your best to, you know, be somebody that uh, these kids could look up to, right? But with Scrappy, jawing off for your entire come up, you know, especially in challengers, then you finally make it to the league and you're playing pretty well and you're still talking that shit. You beat Optic in a grueler of a series. You're at the home crowd. All I'm saying, not to sound like the old man, is that if you looked at Aches or Parasite, the Frico days, uh, Complexity with Clay and Krim, them motherfuckers would never take their foot off the gas for a second, dude. It would have been explosive. <laughs> yeah. It would have been iconic. And those guys, whether they were doing it intentionally or not, I mean, they were just hungry competitors. I don't think they were trying to be the bad guys or the villains, but anybody that goes up against Optic, if you say anything, any ill will, you'll be a villain forever. So it was shocking to hear that Scrappy did not double down on what we've seen him up to this point. That disappoints me. You get an opportunity like that to talk that much shit to that big of a fan base. I mean, third major as a professional player. Yeah. You've had all this hype up until this point. You finally win an event. Not finally. I mean, you do it pretty quickly. Yeah. And you beat Optic in front of their home crowd. And they looked good the entire tournament, too. I would have I, I loved to see him really put the nail in the coffin. That's. Opportunities like that are like the reason why I'm like, damn, I wish I could compete at the professional level in any capacity just so I have the opportunity to just shit on people like that. <laughs> like, are you kidding? I mean, like, Draymond is a great example. He's like always talking shit. But, you know, when you got the opportunity, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big villain guy. So I just. I would have just loved to see him go up against the green wall. It must not have been too bad. I, I, I will figure that if anybody would have tweeted about it, it would have been aches, but he didn't. He did not tweet about Scrappy. All I saw was J-Cap reply to the tweet, and he's like, damn, kind of wish Scrappy would have laid into it. He said, kind of pissed Scrap took the respectful route in the post-championship interview. I don't know, man. I think it's smart. 
the Optic fan base will always be behind Scrappy now. I think it was the right decision, but the same, in the same vein, I would have loved to see him double down. Congrats to Toronto Ultra, though. Man, I wonder if... I was going to say, does like, do you think... We're gonna see Scrappy to Optic in like a couple of years now. If he's gonna have to, if he's playing it this way. Well, you never know. I don't know, man. I I think right now with Hook, Ghosty, uh, Dashy, and Shotzi, for them to make the finals, they played really well. You know, everybody was talking about us getting beaten pretty badly by Phase the first day. You know, I thought they were gonna win the tournament from there on out. I mean, we were the best two teams at the last major, and. They beat us in pretty swift fashion. Yeah, Slasher flicked us off. Yeah, that one surprised me too. Yeah. You know, Austin's just a competitor, and I, I think he feels a little bit uh chip on his shoulder since we brought Octane back and not Slasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that was like a very in, in, intentional. I think it was just like kind of like the timing of, of contracts, the off-seasons, and whatnot. I, I can't really speak to it. I don't remember very well, but Slasher was a great player when he was here. I loved having Austin here, and you know, I think there's a split opinion down the middle from the entire community and how they feel about Slasher, but I think Austin's a great kid. He's a real smart guy. He's a really great player, and so for them to beat us and him say, oh, I taught them all how to play, yada, 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 and, and, and flick them off, like, look, I tip the cap, they beat us, but I was surprised to see him do that. I don't think any of the players have ill will towards each other. Again, heat of the moment, heat of the battle. I get it. Uh, but I uh, I thought FaZe was going to win the whole thing. So for Optic to then beat FaZe, that was kind of a little bit of vindication, I would say, for anybody that's a fan of LA Thieves. Uh, but just surprised to see how well Optic played. They went from needing to beat FaZe in that online qualifier match to make winner's bracket and you know very quickly gets down down to losers make a great run make it to the finals mm-hmm. i still got to go back and watch the finals see what happened but there's been rumors that pred was going to be on the team at the end of this year his contract with seattle's up so i think that team will definitely shake up and move a little bit um depending on what happens for the rest of the year it's kind of a tough conversation to have if they end up winning a tournament or play really well at champs like do we should we even make a change but mm-hmm. You never know. I think that that roster will be in flux for sure at some point this offseason. At least one to two players, I think, will will change. Yeah. If I had to guess right now. Yeah, Slasher. I mean, hate him for, for flicking us off and the fact that he gets to talk, but at the same time, got to respect it. I think I'm just a fan of every villain in any, That's okay. In any capacity. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Just love the juice. Congrats to Toronto, man. I'm excited. We'll go back and watch those VODs. Yeah. I'm actually really excited to do some watch parties now, too. Uh, I was bummed. I was supposed to go to Texas to do it with Seth and the Optic Boys, but the wedding, of course. But the the Call of Duty competitive scene just seems like it's in such a great place right now i'm very curious to see what happens with the rest of the season just because we've now had three different champions at three different events Mm -hmm. you have new york at the first phase at the second optic at the third uh normally uh, one team kind of settles out and in past years it's been phase but i think this game without red dots and how fast uh the time to kill is i think we're going to see a lot of variation between teams' performances of, of each tournament. I think LAT is probably the best example. Um, you know, we went from almost winning the last one to 7th, 8th this time around. Yeah. But hopefully we can figure it out, man. 
I, yeah. I would love to talk to the players to see what they thought had went wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that embassy search and destroy is probably like the worst I've ever seen us lose on stage. You just can't get six out like that. We didn't even, yeah. we didn't even look like we put up a fight. Mm-hmm. So I, I was pretty bummed after watching that match and. And of course, yes, I did have a couple of drinks. I mean, I was talking shit to people online. It's just like people praying on our downfall. I'm like, guys, it's one series. They're going to be okay. Yeah. We'll be fine. Oh, yeah. You put that video out? Yeah, man. You know I what? It. it was definitely like the Dave from Barstool route. I, like, I don't give a fuck what you think. I, fuck you. Yeah. Seriously, fuck you for like hating on our team as much as they have. Yeah. Look at our last you know, five events. We've won two of them. I'm not living in the world of Vanguard still, but we, we've looked good in mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Now we just got to have the right tournament and the right tides sh- uh, shift over to our yeah. side and, and hopefully get lucky one of these events. We'll see if history repeats itself with major foreign champs. Yeah. so Short season, too. Yeah, really short. I mean, what is was... two more majors and then the finals, or is it is it just major four and then champs? Major four and champs. Wow. I got a fact check on that, but... Definitely a short season, but... Yeah. Fuck. All right. So... Yeah, a lot happened in COD. Um, did you follow NFL free agency at all yesterday? I was just sitting in the airport on Twitter all day. No, I haven't been following much. I saw Bobby. Uh, how do you, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Okariki. Uh, okay, Bobby Okariki. You know what, Rustin, uh, the, one of the co-founders of High Ground, he bought he brought him to the, our JBL party that yeah. uh, Gunner performed. We did a shot in my office together. Yeah. First time I met him. Super laid back, really, really nice, easy to talk to. Yeah. And then I recognized his name when I saw it. He's got like a $44 million contract with the <laughs> yeah. Giants. Yeah. 22 of it's guaranteed. Yeah. Bro, I was taking a shit this morning. I sent him a DM. I'm like, congrats, big dog. Yeah. Man, it's fucking awesome. It's wild that I just met that guy. And and now fast forward like a year, year and a half later, and he's made it, made that, that man was made whole. Yeah. Very nice. Going to New York too, being able to play in a big market. But yeah, I remember when I met him as well. No idea who he was at the time. He was like super chill. And then all of a sudden, like the fact that he plays for the Colts came up. I'm like, oh shit. And he's where I remember just talking like, who do you guys think you're going to get at quarterback back then before uh, they signed Matt Ryan and all of that too? But great dude. Happy to see him get it. All right. Let's not spend a lot of time on it, but give me high level. You just follow the NFL tickers all day. What, yeah. What's the big shakeout in uh, offseason and so what's happening? We're still waiting for. The biggest news is Aaron Rodgers, what he's going to do. Everybody thinks he's going to get traded to the Jets um, or retire. But him and Green Bay are are pretty much done at this point, but still nothing's been confirmed. So everybody's waiting for that. And then Jimmy G to the Raiders. uh, So he'll be paired up with... Well, that's a fucking bummer. He's not staying in Chicago? Garoppolo. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, the tight end. Jimmy Jimmy Graham? Yeah. Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. dates porn stars and shit. He's going to the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so where's... Where's what? Uh, Daniel... Or uh, David Carr? Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Guys, I swear I watched the NFL. I just... <laughs> I knew the Carr. Yeah. His older brother, David. Dan, uh, he played for the Texans, right? Yeah. And he's like an analyst and everything now, so he's all over the place, all over Twitter, too. But Derek Carr signed with the Saints. Jameis Winston's going to be backing him up. And then um, other big things, Bears got a lot better. So okay. they signed Tremaine Edmonds, off-ball linebacker from Buffalo, $72 million contract, four years. Um, Is lots- he like Lance Briggs caliber? Uh, Yeah, I think they overpaid a little bit for him. Um, there weren't too many people on the linebacker market. He's obviously a good ad, but 
for that much money for an off-ball linebacker. A lot of people think he's overpaid, but he's really good. You guys got TJ Edwards as well, another linebacker from Philly. Uh, Philly really got gutted, honestly. Their whole defense um, were free agents. They lost a bunch of people, but you guys got Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, and then you got Nate Davis as well um, for the offensive line. Give Justin Fields some more protection. Yeah, do you have any idea how this draft pick is going to shake out? Obviously, we're just we're not going to draft first. We're going to trade our draft pick and just yeah. try to get as much value in other picks or free. You know, would you do you have any sense for? Yeah, you guys traded the first pick to Carolina. Oh, we already did. Yeah, just traded. So you guys got DJ Moore as well, a good receiver, um, and then the ninth overall pick this year from Carolina, and then a first next year, and I think like another second. Okay, so. I don't know what they're going to do. I've been like dialed in on fantasy mock drafts or not fantasy drafts, just mock NFL drafts, which by the way is every every mock draft has a different order. Someone's got to figure out a way that like the way Joe Lenardi can predict 63 out of 64 teams for the March Madness. Somebody's got to figure it out. I honestly don't know how Mel Kuyper and, and Todd McShay have jobs and have had them for as long as they had because every time I read them like this is not any pick Mel Kuyper has. I'm like, okay, this is wrong. So. I don't know if this is a wrong take, but just because I've watched Mel Kuyper on TV for so long, I love Mel Kuyper. I love him too. But. Is, he, is he like a, is he, would you compare him to like Jim Cramer, that finance guy <laughs> yeah, where I, I've just known him for so long that I like him, but everybody thinks he's a fucking moron. Yeah. Really? Well, I don't know if, I don't know if Mel Kuyper has the same rep as uh, Jim Cramer does in the finance world, but Mel Kuyper. Yeah. I mean, he's, Great on camera, you know, really, really packs a punch on his delivery, has some hot takes, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he's terribly accurate, but I mean, he's, he's cranking mock drafts. He's giving me something to read. So, all right. Yeah, I'm a fan, but I mean, I don't. How are your lines looking? Better. We got Cam Sutton uh, from Pittsburgh corner, signed him on, I think a three year, $33 million contract, which people are saying is we paid the right price for him but he's like a top 10 corner it's like our biggest hole to fill we're not gonna have to reach we have the six picks so we'll see but brad holmes rgm is just a beast so you guys are fucking with him oh dude he's awesome great so we'll see but yeah they got a little bit better we'll see what else they do um and then the other big thing falcons got a lot better on defense and then the eagles were just gutted not um, great yeah it's tough you got jalen hurts playing like a a fucking legend in the Super Bowl. Really, his defense let him down. Uh, yeah. But you know what? It's it's a, it's a collective effort. So yeah. But you don't think they'll make another Super Bowl run like they did with with how the offseason's shaking out? No, I don't think so. Well, Wonder I what mean, the team culture is like for them because if you get that close, you feel like some of these guys that whose contracts are up would have tried as best as they can to like stick around. But self preservation, man. You got to go where the money's at. Yeah, you got to make your money. You got to respect it. Jalen Ramsey got traded to the Dolphins too, okay. so they're really going in on on a Super Bowl push. But but Jalen Ramsey, from what I understand, just has not been as nearly as good as he was like three or four years ago. No, he's he's fallen off. I mean, that's the thing too with corners in the NFL. It's like the most. It's outside of quarterback. It is well regarded as the most difficult position to play, and so the life cycle of of corners is pretty short. And usually got three, four years of them being at the top of their game, and then they kind of start to fall off. Whether they just slow down or yeah, you know, they're 
their shuttle speed is is not as good. But yeah, I'm I'm glad we didn't go after him or the Lions didn't go after him and, and got Cam Sutton. So Man, if you're if you're an athlete and I, I don't think you can have this type of foresight into the future when you're when you're that young, but if I'm naturally athletic and I'm I'm pretty good at almost every sport, I just feel like I would choose something that isn't football to be the main sport that I play. Tim the Tapman was in town uh, a couple weeks ago, and his son Brew is a monster in the best ways. They were telling me how tall and how much he weighs, and you know the doctors put you on a scale like the percentile of growth you are and the average in comparison to other kids at that age. And that man is an athlete. <laughs> Brew, Tim's son, and Alexis, they, he's born and bred to be an athlete at this point with how fast he's growing. And I asked him, I'm like, are you going to let him play football? Because Tim loves, I mean, it's his favorite sport. All he does yeah. is, is talk about the Cowboys and the NFL. And man, it, it, I can really see the wheels turning in his head because I feel like nowadays, especially with what we're learning, and I know helmet technology is getting better and they're trying to make the game safer with how they change the rules and the penalties that they throw out. But then you have like the old guard of the NFL complaining like this is be getting this is becoming too soft and you know we're not even playing football anymore but I just really do believe that there is a harder conversation that parents probably need to have on whether football is a safe sport for my child to be playing. You know, at the end of the day, once they get to a certain age like in high school, you could even argue that they're not capable of making a, a long-term decision for themselves. And again, not every kid, 99% of kids that play like peewee football or high school football are ever going to do it for their entire career. But with just the potential health ramifications around your 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 mind, your skull, the, everything that's going on with your brain, mm -hmm. I just don't know if... If, if football should be like the first primary sport that if you're an athlete, no matter how much you love it, there needs to be a, a, a hard conversation around whether it's worth it or not. Yeah. I, play, I mean, I played football growing up and I'm in the same boat where, you know, obviously the idea of if your son's an athlete or whatever and has the chance to make it to the professional level and all the money that could be made and all of that. But at the end of the day, like, again, you got to weigh whether that's actually worth the damage you're going to be inflicting on your own body, not just your brain, but your joints and everything as well. And so for someone who played, I myself, you know, I wasn't anything to write home about, right? But it's like, even on the level I was playing at, like your head is getting thrown into the ground. You're like going head to head with people. Like very often every game you're like, oh shit, like I just got my bell rung. And to amplify that to the athletes that are professionals today that are moving at hyperspeed and the size that they are, like they equate it to car crashes in terms of the stopping power of a full tackle. Yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's worth it. I still don't know if I'm gonna like try at least let him, sure if he really loves to, maybe, but I'm certainly not gonna like push him to go play football. Yeah, I don't know if it makes it sound soft or not. I think I'm just being uh, cautiously realistic. I yeah. mean, my mom wouldn't let me play football. I, I wanted to, but I would mm -hmm. just never big enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hindsight 
I think that was probably the right call. I was in no <laughs> position, brother. I mean, I had to go to the endocrinologist when I was in eighth grade because I wasn't growing and I was so small in comparison to everybody I was going to school with. Mm-hmm. We got that figured out. Now I'm five nine, not too bad, 155 <laughs> pounds, but I was certainly not in a position to play football, nor would I ever play professional football. Uh, but I, I just think uh, if you, I, I'd be curious if there's a statistic, if there, I'm, I'm sure there has in some form or another. If you compare other professional sports and the lifespan that the professional athletes have that play an X amount of years in that professional league, man, I, I would be surprised if if football players, and maybe it's not even lifespan, maybe more quality of life post-retirement, mm-hmm. what that quality of life looks like. I don't think there's a great way to measure that. But to your point, I mean, I'll see players in the NFL I've seen on TikTok who were only in the league for a couple of years they said that they'll never walk the same again. They yeah. say they wake up with pain every single day. You know, a wife of, I think, a linebacker, I saw this a couple of years ago, she uh, was just a day in the life of an off day for my husband. And this man is probably in the prime of his uh, physical shape, and he can't even get up off the couch without taking a couple seconds and, and groaning in pain. So I don't know. I don't think anybody can make a. Di- there are so few players that have a level of athleticism that can go play any sport. Mm-hmm. You need a solid foundation in most cases of, you know, playing during your childhood and in in your high school years. But I've definitely seen NFL players who will post a video in the offseason of them doing like a in between legs dunk uh, on a basketball court. Like maybe that probably should have been your calling. You know, there's some guys like. Um, uh, Russell Wilson, he was like a star baseball player. He got drafted by uh, an MLB team. So Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray as well. So I don't know, man. I I don't I don't think there's a perfect answer, but I definitely think the conversation around whether football makes sense long term and whether that's a good decision or not, with all the things that we've seen with players dealing with CTE and mm-hmm. just mind and body altering uh, ramifications. I I don't know, man. I mean, I always is it worth it. Is it really worth it? I put it into the context too. Every time I watch, I love football, love the NFL as a fan of it. But I look at these guys go out there on Sundays, and I'm like, I can't even imagine my body being on the ground right now. I can't remember the last time I laid on the ground and like got up. Like, can you imagine being 30 years old and just going against? like the best, most physical athletes in the world and being thrown around and like having them run into you at full speed for like 30 times a game repeatedly. I can't imagine what my body, I mean, granted, if I was on a football field right now, I think every bone in my body would get broken, but I can't even imagine what the next day feels like for these guys. Yeah, I will say though, too, just to argue for the other side, I bet there is a problem from a foundational level of of bringing in young kids to other sports, you know, in terms of accessibility. For sure. I know the conversation around golf is that it's very expensive, which it mm-hmm. certainly can be. I definitely think there are ways to get kids into golf nowadays that won't break the bank. I mean, you know, my parents, we had a municipal course that was a couple streets down and you pay 120 bucks for the year and you'd get a season pass, go buy some clubs from the thrift store. It doesn't take a lot, but it certainly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a ton of communities across the U.S. in areas that maybe are uh, lacking uh, budget or you know rougher areas to live in where 
I, I just don't think like tennis or, or, or golf or even like baseball is an option. It yeah. just seems like the one thing that a lot of kids get to do is like peewee football and, sure. and, and, and basketball if their school has it. So I just think it's uh it's a question of the foundation that and access that these kids have and, and just getting the exposure to it. Yeah. Because I think the U.S. clearly, like when we go to the Olympics every year, have some of the best athletes in the entire world, like pound for pound, country to country, some of the best athletes. Yeah. And I would just love to see some of these guys in the NFL in an alternate universe, man, in the multiverse, if they would have yeah. played another sport. Holy shit! It, it it would probably be a dangerous territory for yeah. these these guys that are doing it full time now. Yeah, I'm not like a huge soccer fan, but I remember when the World Cup was going on, there was all these graphics of what the U.S. like men's national team roster would look like if we cared about soccer, and it's like OBJ at striker with John ja Morant and Kyrie on the wings. You have LeBron as like a center back, and just all these people. And I'm like. Holy shit. Can you imagine Tyreek Hill just yeah. dribbling a ball down the pitch? It would be, we would just body every but, country. But he just went to a, his first like track uh, competition this past weekend and he won like the 60 meter, blew them all out of the water. Yeah. Brother, it's, it, I think the NFL probably has some of the best, if not the best athletes across all American sports. And I just can't fathom putting them into a world where. Can you imagine six, seven miles Garrett running a four or five? tracking you down if you're like messy trying to like get to the goal i don't know if you guys want to hear it if you if 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 you're living in another country and football is your main sport but just know if the u.s if we came if we came to play it'd be a fucking (laughs) wild wild turn of events better hope those those ct lobbyists keep doing what they're doing we gotta get like these russians and uh chinese that like bring in like, oh, you, we're, we're putting a hockey stick in your hand the second you come out the womb or we're doing fucking gymnastics <laughs> yeah. and you were forced to do it, bro. Can you imagine? That Ivan Drago training we, regimen. We just take a couple cities and just force them to make all of their kids play soccer. We, bro, can you, I, I want to know what it would look like if you took, I know everybody makes a joke about LeBron James. He would have been an incredible tight end. But like, let's get some of these guys with some golf clubs in their hand and just. <laughs> Back to golf. Well, J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith, yeah, I know he's been playing. I don't think yeah. he's still playing in college anymore. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But I think he is. We got to talk a little bit about Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. How dominant of a performance it's been over these last like two years. Players championship win. Yeah. He's uh he's the the, the only golfer besides Jack Nicholas, I think, and uh Tiger Woods to hold uh the Masters green jacket and the players championship. Uh, in the same in like the same year, mm-hmm. he There's only uh, been three ever, man. Really? Yeah, three okay. golfers ever. I mean, he is dialed. He came from the Corn Ferry Tour as well, which I don't know. Well, no, I mean he he was a, he was a pretty dominant golfer in in, in college. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm not sure. See, that's a weird part about professional golf. Uh, we're definitely this is definitely not like the four play podcast. You're not getting the right history lessons on it. We know a little bit about everything, but not mm. enough about one thing. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler, I think he played for Texas, uh, Texas yeah. Longhorns. He was really, really good. Um, and, you know, he when he won the Masters last year, I didn't really know much about him. I'm like, this guy looks like he's 35. That man is like 25. <laughs> yeah. He just, he, I don't know. These guys in Texas, they just look older. But a really incredible golfer in college. And he would have some great battles with like Jordan Spieth and... Um, 
there was a, a another name. I think Kyle Morikawa, uh, Justin Thomas. I think they've all just really kind of been competing with each other since Cam they were Thomas. kids. And it, recently on the tour before I went to live. Yeah. So uh, Scotty Scheffler is just looking pretty dangerous right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited, man. I, this is the most excited I've been for golf in a long time. Not because of live, just because all these young guys, there's like 10 to 15 players, I think, on any given weekend that can win. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. We got John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Ricky Fowler starting to play a lot better, Jordan Spieth, uh, Tony Finau, did I Rory. say Tony Finau? Rory, mm-hmm. Tiger's going to be in the mix. Hopefully, he can you know make a run. But yeah. without actually Xander uh, Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, Max Homa, I would never forget the <laughs> goat, Max Homa. So happy <laughs> yeah. for him. So, dude, the Masters and the U.S. Open, man, golf is going to be pretty damn exciting this yeah. year. You just have a lot of dudes playing really good golf right yeah. now. So from storylines and things like that, it's going to be great. I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed Tony Finau, his episode on Full Swing, the documentary that came out on Netflix, mm-hmm. how close he is with his family. I mean, the entire theme of the episode was uh, sports journalists and the sports world uh, basically saying that Tony Finau's family is a distraction mm-hmm. because he lost a parent and then his wife lost a parent all around the same time. Yeah. And so, you know, from their culture, I think... Uh, Tony is like half Samoan. His wife is full Samoan and they have like six kids and it's such a, an integral part of, of their culture is how close their families are. Mm-hmm. And so he started traveling with all six of his kids and his wife to every event and his episode, not there, here's a spoiler. So if you haven't watched it, just stop now and skip like five minutes ahead. Uh, Tony, uh, they were tracking him at one of the majors, did not play to the level which they wanted. The next tournament he goes to, he wins it. And then the following weekend, he goes to the Rocket Mortgage Classic and wins that as well. Mm -hmm. So just in three weeks, such a huge swing and big fuck you to the, uh, all the golf journalists saying that his family's too big of a distraction because they, they, they don't doubt his talent. He just never, you know, made it work at the right time at the right tournament. Yeah. Uh, so now man, it's just... It's getting dangerous out here. There's so many good golfers, brother. I cannot wait for the Masters. It's going to be awesome. I mean, even I saw a tweet yesterday, Foreplay put out about John Rahm and Scheffler for the Masters basically shaping up. They're like, these two are 1A, 1B in golf right now. And it's, there's a duel. There's a duel coming. There's definitely a battle happening. Yeah. So hopefully it's at the Masters. But um, yeah, overall, golf is, golf is back. Yeah, man. I think I'm going to put my head down and work real hard over this next month because with the Masters, I think is is in April. I'm gonna I I might try to take some PTO for Thursday and Friday and watch the coverage like 24 seven. That's mm-hmm. a really cool thing about the Masters too, is that they basically pay up front, um, and the whole thing is funded by like the members and I, I don't know how it works, but. The long story short is that they don't have commercials on anything. Yeah. They they have a Masters app that you download, and you can watch full coverage for the entire weekend with no interruption. Mm-hmm. So maybe put together a group and uh, watch it on Sunday, have everybody dress uh, up to the gills and watch the Sunday action unfold, man. It's going to be fucking amazing. Yeah, 100%. So did you play, uh, did you play at all in South Carolina? Yeah, yeah I did, did, man. Yeah. My golf game is not in a good place right now. It's been kind of <laughs> bothering me. I just got to go practice, dude. Yeah. Uh, I think the tough part is for anyone that doesn't know or anybody that's in similar shoes as I am, I've sort of found my way in different arcs of 
golf performance, you know, I'll have, especially living in LA, you know, we have pretty much like nine months of great weather and you can play golf year round here, but especially this year, it's been so wet. We've had more precipitation I've ever experienced in California. And so I usually take a couple months off, but I've still been getting out to the course like once or twice a month. And I went from playing in October to December, I was playing the best golf I ever had. Not one time I would step up to the tee and 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 put it anywhere else in the fairway. And for somebody that doesn't hit, really hit the ball very long, my biggest my biggest takeaway when I play well is that I don't I don't lose strokes on out of bounds shots. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the low 80s uh, every round of golf that I played, and I finally cracked in and shot a 77 on New Year's Eve. Got my handicap down to single digits. I'm at like a nine right now. But I don't know what happened or what changed. Uh, and I started taking lessons. That's what the original thought was when I brought this up. I started taking lessons with these two great guys, uh, Nick and Nico, and was working really hard at getting better. And, uh, you know, to change a golf swing, especially somebody who didn't grow up learning how to play the right way, I have so many bad habits that I need to break. And they always say 21 days and you'll start a new, uh, new routine. You'll break bad habits, start new ones. Certainly not the case with golf. It takes months to really change your swing and months of practice. Mm-hmm. But with how busy I am with work, I'm able to skate out and take one of these lessons, which is right down the street where I live, at like 6 a.m. I, I was doing this for like three months, 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. I'd get in there and then I'd come to the office. It's just so hard to change and make changes to my bad habits. And especially for somebody who's not very athletic, uh, it's hard for me to feel things in my body. You know, when they tell me to do something, it takes a couple days of those lessons just for me to feel what they're trying to get me to accomplish. And then I don't even go out to the range and practice and and, and really reinforce that feeling. So I've just gotten worse, man. It's got me, me in a dark place. I, I'm not playing good golf right now. I've got a really nasty hook that I've never had to experience before in my entire life. And so I, my, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty beat up mentally with where my golf game is at. So I got I to gotta find my way back to hitting some good shots again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still trying to find. Well, you don't really play. <laughs> yeah. You got a good swing, man. You got some power behind the ball, but golf is definitely a game of uh, of repetition, especially mm-hmm. short game. You know, they say that professional golfers only average, com- compared to like a scratch golfer, for anyone that doesn't know the handicap system, if, if you're scratch, that means more times than not, no matter what course you show up to, your expected performance will be even par, which is normally around a 72. That means you're a scratch golfer. Mm-hmm. And if you're a plus handicap, like a lot of the tour guys are, every tour player is plus. That means you'll shoot, you know, six, seven, if you're a plus six, six, seven strokes better than par. And so assume nine handicap, I'll shoot like a 81. That would be like, depending on the slope rating of the course, every 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 course has a different slope rating, rating which is a variation of difficulty mm-hmm. of that course. Uh, but I'm not playing anywhere near like a nine right now. I mean, I yeah. put in a lot of bad scores, so I would imagine I'll be back up to double digits here soon once a couple of these good scores get knocked out of the 20, then they yeah. take the top 10. So I uh, I just need to, I need to figure it. I need to get some things figured out. Especially before my bachelor party, because I only want to play golf. I don't want to go out to the clubs. No, none of that bullshit. I just want to play 36 holes every day. I'm taking a trip to Bandon uh, in May. You know, two years ago, one of our friends that we met, uh, he asked, hey, do you guys want to go to uh, Bandon Dunes, which is like an iconic uh, golf uh, location in, in, in California or in Oregon? I'm sorry. And I'm like, dude, I'll agree to anything two years out. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. So we, we agree to it. And then, uh, you know, Time moves pretty quickly. All of a sudden, this trip is here. 
I just can't have some of the best golf courses I'll ever play in my life uh, on the docket here in the next couple months and, and be probably playing the worst golf I've played in, in a couple years. So I got to go get this figured out ASAP, dude. Yeah. Um, another thing that happened this weekend, Streamer Awards. Streamer Awards, yeah. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on it, just the event in general? I think it's a huge and massive undertaking for one individual like Cutie. Now, obviously, I know she has a team behind her that helps, but it's it's. I can't even imagine putting together an award show uh, while trying to balance uh, your creator cap and you know making a living for yourself. I mean, it's it's a it takes a really strong effort between a lot of great people to put on any any show in any capacity. Like live production is just a headache, and so. I saw Cutie going through uh, the natural evolutions of emotions leading up to the event. You're over here trying to coordinate with creators who are probably the worst people trying to keep them on a schedule and commitment to traveling to a location and actually showing up. So beyond that, uh, I have a lot of empathy for her. At the same time, I feel like, okay, if you're, if you're running an award show or a live production, you got to know what uh, what could go wrong. And I think she does. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I think it's good that she has a social platform and, and a community to really vent to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just a tough, a tough situation to be in for anyone. Um, yeah. so I think she did a, a fantastic job. Again, I didn't get to watch it just cause I was off my phone this entire weekend, Yeah. but, uh, I feel terrible that Kaide had to deal with all this bullshit about, Oh, Tarek should have won Valentine's stream of the year. Yeah. It was fan voted and, you know, Kaide obviously going through so much right now in real time. I, she's an incredible Valentine streamer. So I don't think the, the prestigiousness or the prestige of that award, I don't think she deserves it any less, uh, than any of the other people that were up. Uh, for that award, and so I don't, I, I I don't I don't think she should think any any more or any less about that situation. She's she won it and she deserved it. Uh, you can argue that anybody that was nominated, that's why they're nominated. Any yeah. you can make a case for any one of those uh, Valentine streamers that they should have won. So I'm really happy for her, and I'm happy for everybody that was involved. It seemed like it went over really well. Over mm-hmm. 300,000 viewers. I mean, yeah. to spawn that up from nothing. I think is just, I know that I would never be capable of doing something like an award show um, and going through that stress and all the hoopla. So tip the cap. Great job, cutie. You know, Mm -hmm. now it's time to rest and recover for next year. You know, we got (laughs) a a couple months before you start got playing that one, but I think it was great overall. I think it was great. Yeah. I think it's great for the industry too. I mean, obviously there's so many different iterations of award shows, I think, popping up with like the esports awards you have the game awards as well i mean they all have served different purposes and focus on different things but i think it's just great to see uh for the sake of the industry just getting everybody together and recognizing people for for the work they're putting in yeah the game awards is actually really cool for me to watch that grow uh because uh my ex-girlfriend uh her sister i justine uh was really close with jeff Keeley, who started the game awards so I got to see him build this from the ground up in real time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually won player of the year back in 2014. That was the first year of the Game Awards, I think, was in existence. And to see the viewership pretty much double, if not more, year over year over year to now being probably the, big, the biggest Game Awards show yeah. in the entire world. I mean, it's even bigger now in terms of coverage over... E3, which has had a weird, turbulent couple years, COVID, and I'm not even sure if E3 will ever 
live up or be the event that it used to be. I think we we need to be a little bit more cognizant of these award shows that are happening because you have, I think you just have a lot of people from the outside of esports who, and I'm not gatekeeping, but there's definitely people that I think deserve to throw award shows in terms of their participation throughout the last 20 years in this industry. Mm-hmm. And then there's other shows that I think people are just like, oh, I, this a, I'm pulling fast when I'll make some money off this. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Uh, the more award shows there are, I think the less prestigious those awards actually are. Yeah. And uh, I think we just need to be a little bit more cognizant of who we let in and who we support. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think some shows... And there's only one that I can think of, and I'm not going to throw shade, but it's just dangerous, man. It's dangerous. Like when we went to the, the, the esports awards; those were started by some of the guys that I've known from Gfinity. They're class gentlemen, right? But it's a bummer when this show is like six hours long, and by the end, when you're getting to the real awards—not the real ones, but like the most sought after, brother. We were in Arlington, and this place there was like. 20 people sitting in the front three rows because mm-hmm. they started this run of show at like 5 p.m. for a dinner for everybody. And then the award show didn't end till like 12.30. Yeah. That is a huge, huge commitment. All right. I'm sorry. It was in Vegas, not Arlington. That was the year before. Uh, and I think the, the eSports award show is great, but just a lot happening. And I feel like the award shows are kind of like a land grab right now. Everybody's trying yeah. to be the legacy. Uh, so the Game Awards doing great. The... Uh, Obviously, the streamer awards with QD, esports awards, I'm all for, but mm-hmm. anything else, I think, is just too much. It's yeah. too much, man. Yeah. It's like streaming platforms, you know? Everyone's starting a, a platform, an award show. Give it a, give it a few years. We'll, we'll see which ones mm-hmm. last. Yeah. So, all right. Well, how long have we been going for? An hour? We go for an hour couple of, i got a couple other things if fuck yeah want to keep going you see i mean yeah we uh i feel like we made a lot we we did a lot to get here so one hour <laughs> maybe go for 10 15 more minutes <laughs> yeah oh shit got the crew here you know it's yeah. make it worth their time um creed 3 did you see it yet no i haven't dude and i really want to man those rotten tomatoes uh reviews got me bricked up brother i'm ready i think i'm gonna go try to see it at some point this week um all right, never mind then. Why? <laughs> Saw it? Yeah, I don't want to spoil yeah, anything. Yeah, please don't spoil I don't want to know anything, man. I've seen a couple trailers, and you know how trailers now, they just show too much. I kind of have a loose idea of what's going to happen, but I don't want to know anymore, so please. I'll say. I'll say. You can my, talk about it. I'll say my review, in it for the yeah. next episode. All right. Well, um, yeah. Curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, okay. I mean, that's. I was going to go into that, but. Bro. Sick. I don't think he's out of jail yet. No. Sentinels released a statement saying they're going to bail him out. They're flying his sister down to Texas, but it's been a week. He's been in jail. I God only knows what's going on. Man, I just feel bad because I, I think that uh, I hope his sister can get down there. I hope they can get him bailed out and get him checked in somewhere because I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, from all the uh, actions that we've seen from Sick prior to him going to jail. I, I just felt terrible for all the people poking fun and making these edits of how he was acting, saying things, and he's just not in his right mind. And yeah. I know that he's a good kid from what I've seen in the pa- in the past without knowing him too well. 
And it's just tough when somebody doesn't have a grasp on their uh, mental well-being uh, to get and be exposed to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, seeing you have probably the worst moment you'll have in your life. Uh, yeah. And a lot of it is, in my opinion, not in his control. I think he needs to get checked in somewhere. I think he's got a chemical imbalance in some fashion or another. He just needs to get some medication or just some help from some professionals. And I think he'll be right back to where he needs to be. Uh, it's tough because he's going to come out of this uh, this this spell. I don't, you know, I, I think there's probably a better way to articulate that, but he'll, he'll, he'll get back to even, uh, hopefully, and I think he'll be pretty upset with himself and be pretty embarrassed. But, you know, I'm not sitting here pandering to the community, but I, w- I would ask that everybody understands that, you know, life isn't easy and uh, your your mental health, especially with the pressures that we have of, of social media nowadays, shit ain't always sweet. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to have some bumps in the road and some hiccups, but, you know, with the right time and the right support, I think you can get back to where he was, which he was an incredible uh, FPS player, a, a great streamer, and uh, consider... Uh, had a lot of friends uh, around the community. So hopefully he can get out of jail, get his feet back underneath him and get the help that he needs. Yeah, after we last talked about it a couple episodes ago, I went back and watched a lot of the VODs of him and he's very clearly having some form of psychological breakdown. Yeah. And for me, that's like the scariest thing. I mean, now I'm 25, but... The the age for when schizophrenia becomes most prevalent is like between the ages of 21 and 26. And so to just see someone have to go through that and like whether or not that is actually what it, his diagnosis is or, you know, obviously we'll, we'll come to find out soon here. But just to see someone go through that, I'm like, I can't even imagine just your life being completely turned around and you really have no control of it. So... Hopefully, you know, I'm happy to see Sentinels supporting him publicly, but like you said, so many people were just flaming him and um, honestly just a sad situation. Yeah, without being a doctor, um, it's tough to know what's actually happening. All I, I was telling you this privately, I've seen over the years uh, some players or creators throughout the last 10 years struggle with Adderall abuse and a lot of sort of these manic states that we'll see them go through. Uh, I think we're fueled by the abuse of Adderall mm-hmm. and, and not sleeping and your brain just sleep is probably the most important thing we as human beings do for ourselves every single day. It's mm-hmm. an opportunity for your body to repair itself from the day before, get your mind back to where it needs to be. You got to go through these REM cycles and everything needs balance and moderation. You know, th- there's a weird I don't think it's weird. It's just the gravity push and pull. You give what and, and and you take back. It's like everything equal force has a reaction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What is that? If, uh, Newton's law. For every f- action, there's a reaction. Something along those lines. So, yeah. you know, when you spend 12 hours, 13, 14 hours awake, you need to get sleep. And so I, I would just, I never took Adderall in my uh, days competing. That's the God's honest truth. I took Adderall. One time, it was not a tournament. This was back in like Black Ops 2. I tried like five milligrams just to see what all the fuss was about because, you know, I've never been one. Uh, you know, I talked about it in the second episode, but my mom had a problem with, uh, you know, uh, prescribed uh, medication. So I was always like, I'll never put myself in that position. Mm-hmm. Tried it once, didn't like it, didn't th- think anything of it. But I know across all of esports, there are players that 
definitely uh, off the game. There are many people that actually do have ADHD, and this isn't like a moral uh, conversation around whether doctors should be prescribing them, whether you need that at all. But I know for a fact there are players that I have met. There are players across every single esports title and even creators that do abuse Adderall. And I'll look at the camera for this one. You need to be careful. I mean, it is a controlled substance. It's amphetamines, man. Like You need to respect what the doctor tells you. You need to go in often to make sure that your levels are right. And you need to treat that medication with the utmost respect because it's not something to fuck around with. I mean, it's literally one one chemical branch in terms of its makeup away from meth. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to preach. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not a doctor. You guys know that, but I don't think a lot of people in their lives have enough people telling them that you can head down a very dark path very quickly. Uh, you know, there's definitely been cases where I've heard people say, oh, well, I'm going to do a 24 hour stream and I'm going to double up on my dosage and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. That's a slippery slope, man, because you get away with it a couple of times, but all of a sudden you turn that into a habit. It, it's 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 nothing to fuck with. All right. So if there's anything that you can, you know, take from what we're saying, be careful, man. Please, please, please be careful because I don't I I don't know if that's what sick is going through. I don't know if he's ever struggled. So the, I I'm not saying in this instance that's what's happening, but just the. Uh, pattern recognition that I've seen in the past of people having similar uh, situations on their hands uh, on social media, you got to be careful. You you got to treat your doctor with respect and you got to treat that medication with respect. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the, or, um, or against the validity behind the drug and, and, and the purpose it serves, but everything in life needs balance. So be careful. Get this man a get this man a white lab coat, Doc, <laughs> Dr. Haig. <laughs> well, brother, coming with the latex gloves. It, the, it pe- the people in your <laughs> life don't deserve it either, man. Like people don't know like how the decisions you make and how you take care of your body and 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 the and the results that may vary that affects the people in in your lives too. And everybody wants to see their friends and family healthy. Uh, it's not just about you. Yeah. I mean, if you have people in your life you talk to every single day, every decision you make, you need to have them in the back of your mind. Uh, they're a part of those small decisions too. So, 100%. Yeah, the mental psyche is a very fickle thing. Sound body, sound mind, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we, gotta, we got hopefully you know, 80, 100 good years in us if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta preserve, man. Did you see uh, Imperial Hal's tweet as well about Adderall and the no, competitive space? He was basically calling out for it to be banned because he was like, when are we? I know that people have prescriptions, but even those with prescriptions, I've just seen cases of abuse of Adderall around the competitive landscape. That's a pretty loaded topic, man. Yeah. I mean, look. Adderall certainly ran rampant in certain communities in gaming. And... Again, without being qualified, if a doctor prescribes, if a doctor truly believes, and you know, not all situations and prescriptions have been written the same uh, under the same context, but I don't think there's a great way to ban a drug from uh, you know, esports. Mm-hmm. If somebody if somebody's prescribed and they truly do need it, I think 
you're you you run a dangerous you're you're walking on a dangerous line to say that they're not allowed to the medicate but i just don't think that there's a great way uh to regulate it because no matter what decision you make you're going to be disparaging and 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 hurting somebody else so i don't think there's a perfect answer and i i understand why hal would want to voice that opinion uh but i just don't think that this will ever net out in a way that checks all the boxes yeah I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can just put a full blanket ban on it for people that are prescribed that actually need it. But again, with the abuse and, and things like that, but even so, I mean, here's the other thing though, for all I think this could probably be a good example, uh, not to kick up dirt from the past, but think about Hook. Hook used to take Adderall. He admitted that that was one of the big controversies that were happening when he got dropped from Envy and we picked him up mm-hmm. or we bought him from, from, uh, from Envy. And I think he was going through something at the time and our players and our team uh, just didn't feel like the situation was right. But guess what? He's been clean uh, since that video he made and now he's playing some of the best Call of Duty of his life. He's looked incredible in these last few months of Modern Warfare 2. So just because you have teammates or friends uh, on other teams that are taking it, I think Hook is the definition of somebody that does not need this to perform at the highest level. You don't need it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in any professional setting, you're always looking for an edge on somebody else. And I think some players, because they have, you know, peers that do it or colleagues that do it, they think, all right, I'll give it a try. You don't need it. I mean, (laughs) I'm not the best example because everybody questions my level of talent, but guess what? I got fucking eight major championships. Not one of them was one with Adderall in my system. So you do not need it. You do not need it. I also don't think it's solely a positive as well. You know, people abusing it, there's definitely side effects and drawbacks to that as well. I think that affects their gameplay, whether it be from decision-making perspective or anything like that. So I don't, the way he looks at it, I I can't blame him. But at the same time, um, I don't think it's necessarily just like the super drug that you take and you're immediately you know, two times better or whatever. So yeah, I don't. I love the apex community, man. I I love Imperial Hal. I, I, yeah. I, I, the apex community reminds me a lot of call of duty. You got some of the best players who have very strong voices and opinions. Mm-hmm. It just makes the scene that much more fun. Yeah. You know, I'm curious uh, in our last conversation, when we talked about call of duty and we talked about hitch and his tweets about the state of call of duty, I wonder how those netted out, man. It might be time to bring in a guest at a certain point uh, just to add a little bit of flavor into these these conversations because I would love to know how certain people reacted to certain yeah. things that we have said. But it's a good episode. It's a good episode. I'm going to have to go watch Creed 3 we talk about in the next one. But we yep. talked a little bit about everything. The NFL, yeah. and, uh, uh, off season, golf, uh, our week out in, in Charleston. Um, it's been a good one. It's been a good one. It's a nice little little fireside chat. Little fireside chat with I'd Joey K and Matthew Haig and the rest of the production team. <laughs> uh, yo, I lastly I want to say on camera once again, congratulations, Richard Webb, Ellen Uri, now uh, Ellen Webb. Uh, they're gonna go on their honeymoon here in a couple of days, and I know a lot of you might not know these people, but they're some of our best friends and some of the best people we ever meet. 
And it was such a beautiful, beautiful wedding. Mm-hmm. It's been awesome for me. Uh, I didn't get to go to the bachelor party uh, because I had some passport issues. And actually, one of the other guests that went to the wedding who I met through Haley, uh, who I've really loved getting to know over these last few years in LA, they had a wedding in Spain that I couldn't attend because of these passport issues. So it was just awesome to have so many good people in a room together celebrating two of the best people that we've ever known. Uh, and I just want to say congratulations. Enjoy that honeymoon. They're going to New Zealand. They're going to have an absolute blast. Uh, but what a what a beautiful event to be a part of. They are the reason I am so hungover today. Yeah. And I missed my 7 a.m. flight yesterday. Good. Good. on Well, for the fucking life of me, I still can't understand why you ever thought you would make a 7 a.m. flight in the first place. I mean, I knew going into it as is a 50 50 shot. I missed it. Um I don't have to dive into it right now, but there's an, a Wendy's order at about 3.30 in the morning. I remember got, you placed that order. That got canceled, um, which I, I think that order. contributed heavily to me just passing out and then waking up like five hours after my flight departed. Uh, but we, we don't have to get into that. Point being, uh, it was all because it was such a great weekend and it was a lot of fun. You know what the... Uh, this is the last thing I'll say, especially around drinking. Uh, I guess you're talking about Adderall, talking about drinking. Uh, I, I come from a, a few alcoholics in the Hague and family tree, and I've never, I've never had a, I've never had a problem. But I certainly drank a lot more in my mid twenties, and even when Haley and I first started dating. And I'll never, I'll never be the person that's like outwardly uh, talking about sobriety. And I certainly am not going to give up alcohol completely, but without knowing my limits in the past and now knowing what my body feels like when I've had too much alcohol so I can really pull the, the, the cord when I should stop, I just really don't enjoy being drunk anymore. You know, I think the best nights that Haley and I have had in the last few years are just the ones where we go have two cocktails at dinner, come back to the house, nice early dinner, we're in bed by 11. That's, I think from here on out, that's going to be like the extent of the drinking that I do. I just... It's not worth it, man. Your body just reacts to it so much differently when you start creeping into your late 20s and early 30s. And there's something freeing about that thought. You know, Haley and I were talking about on the flight home. It's just like, we don't ever want to feel the way that we felt at this wedding ever again. I know everybody says that after they're done drinking. And I've said that a few times, but I just love waking up now on a schedule sound body, sound mind, focus on what I'm excited about. And it's just a hindrance more than anything. It's such a short term feeling of, of, of fun and excitement. And there's a time and a place. And I'm sure that I'll definitely be drunk again, uh, at some point in the next year, but man, it, I had something powerful about being self-aware and at peace with the idea that I don't, I don't need drinking to have a good time just having the right people around it's 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 just a it's a very freeing uh mindset so yeah it's i think it's the fomo more than anything yeah fomo is definitely a a big one coming to terms with that yeah because i'm just sitting there watching and we're at a wedding i'm not judging nobody everybody wants to have fun but i just love i love the feeling of being in it with it you know mentally uh nothing holding me back from Sound body, sound mind. So, guys, I'm telling you, drugs and drinking, it's not all it's all cracked up to be. Don't ever feel pressured. I think nowadays, especially when you get into college, you feel like you're 
uh, you're the sore thumb of the group if you're not going out. And I, I think it's it's one thing to hear from somebody, but it's another thing to live it and and figure it out yourself. But I feel like there's a lot of people who are just hardwired that will never figure it out and never learn their limits and never understand who they become and the things that they do when they are drinking. But I'm telling you, you don't need it. You know, in high school, I feel like a lot of these kids feel so much peer pressure. Nowadays, especially with social media, you try to live a lifestyle that you feel like what your friends will accept as the cool lifestyle, it's not worth it. You know, when you get out of high school, 10 years later, you won't give a fuck about this social anxiety you had or that FOMO you felt or that the social hierarchy of like the cool kids. You just got to become comfortable with who you are because you're going to learn that 90% of your life is spent by yourself and with the people who are closest to you. And if it's the right group of people, they won't care which way or the other if you're uh, in the mix drinking and, and, and doing drugs. And I'm telling you guys, you don't need it. You don't need it, man. Yeah, there's part of me, especially just being in this industry, so many like young, hyper successful individuals. I feel as though there's definitely like a part of me where I'm like, damn, I wish I like just focused on like work when I was a kid and was like even more passionate about things I love today and like could have capitalized on that versus just going to school and kind of my Gary V tip right now. It was an ad for not going to college, but um, yeah, college was a lot of fun and I had a great time and really enjoyed it. So I don't regret it at all, but there's definitely a part of me where I'm like, damn, I wish I just used that time towards like a career or like building something but i had a great time so i drank a lot it was a lot of fun but you definitely don't need to so yeah man i think i think you said it well you got to go out and figure life out for yourself Mm -hmm. it's one thing for us to say it's another thing for you to go experience that but just be careful and if you got friends that can't understand why you feel the way you feel or you just need to be cognizant of who you are and and just realize that when you wake up in the morning, you're by yourself again. Mm-hmm. None of the peer pressure that you were feeling the night before is going to affect you or what you're going to do with the rest of your day or how you're going to live your life. So just be comfortable and be happy with who you are. I don't yeah. want to mean to sound too dramatic, but I think more people need to hear that if they're not hearing it from the people in their life. So yeah. appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, this has been another great episode of Nate Shot Knows or whatever the fuck we're calling this. We've got to settle on something here. we got to figure it out so I can put it in the bio. We appreciate you guys. Hope you have a fantastic day. <laughs> and uh, YouTube, we'll see you later. Goodbye.